Let's continue on in what we've been talking about. What have we been talking about, by the way? Champions of faith, heroes of faith. Um, what are some of the characters that we've talked about to this time in place? We've talked about who? Who? Noah? What else? Joseph? Mm -hmm. Rebecca? Abraham? David? You know, all those people. Um, I want to read to you the passage of scripture that we've been focused on. We've got it up on the screen for you so that you can read it along with me. But let's go back to this passage of scripture because this has sort of been the the basis of everything that we've talked about to this point because as we've walked through some of these men and women of faith and we're walking and we're not going to be able to get to all of them guys it's just impossible today we're going to talk about one character next week brian's going to introduce another character and then on palm sunday we're going to bring and talk about the character of jesus himself is what he may say but it's really important that as we walk on this journey of faith that we understand there are going to be bumps in the roads or there are going to be times when we get discouraged or we just feel like we can't go on. There are going to be some times that we question our faith. There are going to be some times that we're just ready to throw in a towel and quit. And the benefit is when we go back and we read the stories of Scripture, which Brian has talked about, and we listen, there's, there's probably something within every biblical character that if we listen to them as we read their story, that's something that may impact us that goes, I'm glad I heard that because I really needed that right now. So let's read this passage of Scripture because this is what it records there. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sins that so easily trips us up. And let us run the race with what? Endurance. Let us run the race, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. A few weeks ago, we had a 5K. How many of you have ever run a 5K? How many of you have walked a 5K? How many of you don't ever care if you even hear about another 5K? <laughs> Uh, we had a 5K that we hosted here, and what a great blessing. It was a benefit not only to the community, it was a part of Love Week, people coming together and working, but it was also a great benefit to us at Beyond the Walls because it helped raise some $3,700 because of some businesses that came together and said, we want to be a part as well as runners that, that came together. And those $3,700 allows us the opportunity to help feed those, our neighbors, which are in need. But it was a great race. But my kids said, listen, Dad, we want to run. Well, that morning when I, when I arrived here, race people can be really serious, you know. I mean, some people got, you look at some of the clothing that they're wearing, and it's like, that's pretty sharp. Some of them have shorts. Some people don't really care. I saw, some, I saw one person in jeans. I'm like thinking, has he lost his mind? You know, I saw some people dressed up in like funny-looking, funky things, and they were just a sight to be seen, and, and they're friends, and I just sort of laughed. I thought it was really funny. Uh, I saw people that were, were drinking uh, like coffee and some eating donuts and then some were chugging down these energy drinks just ready for the race. But it was a, it was a big time. So I got Caleb, Abby, and Anna. And so Caleb and Abby says, we really want to run the 5K. I'm like, guys, you've never done anything like this before in your life. I am not running, okay? I'm not walking. I'm not running. My knees hurt. It just ain't going to happen. So they said, we want to run. So I said, okay, Anna, you'll do the fun run. The other two will do it. And I was thinking, man, this is, I wonder how this is going to work. I said, listen, you got to have a buddy. So on the run, I found out afterwards that, that Tracy Oliver and Caleb, I guess they, they had sort of buddied up. Well, somewhere along the line, I think Caleb was ready to throw in the towel. 
And, but Tracy said, don't you quit on me right now. I need you. I need you. You've got you to finish with me. But they were so excited about being able to finish that race. You know, should, you should, they all got a little, you know, little tag that they had finished the race. And, and don't we want to finish the race and run endurance? Because the time's going to come when we get to that place that we just get tired or overwhelmed or whatever it may be. And it may just be that one little piece of advice or that one little word of encouragement that gets us over the hump. We just need to remember that. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going we're to look at another character, and the character we're going to look at is a man by the name of, of Moses. I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, and let's see if we can, we can play around with Moses just a little bit and, and maybe hear some words with, from Moses. And this is off the bat what I think one of the things that if Moses were to whisper in our ears, one of the things that I think that he may whisper to us, and you might want to write this down. I think that if Moses were to come out of the stands, I think this is what he may say to us. Don't be afraid to abandon safe and to walk by faith. Don't be afraid to leave the situation that you're in to abandon that place of safety and to live by faith. That's really tough. I like safety. I sort of like the rut from time to time. Are you with me? I don't like always being moved around and shuffled. That's really, really tough. But here's the story that you'll find in Exodus chapter 1, 2, if you were to read it. What had happened was Joseph and his brothers and that generation of people had died off and the the numbers of Israelite people had begun to grow very fast. And there was a new king that was put in place that didn't understand or know the story of Joseph and and what had taken place. And so there was a tremendous amount of tension that rose in that time amongst those people, the Israelites living there in Egypt. So what the, kid, the king did, that Pharaoh began to do, is he began to oppress the people and he began to put them up under slavery. And there was just lots of tension. And they became so afraid that there, there became that time that, that, that what that Pharaoh did is he said, listen, for every newborn baby, um, Every newborn boy, baby that's born, we want them to be killed when they're delivered. That's pretty intense. I mean, here are the Israelites living in this land where at one time there was, there was a, a sense of, of, of peace. And now all of a sudden, because of the rising numbers, there, there's, a, there's an oppression that begins to take place. So Pharaoh makes this, makes this decree about the boys being delivered for them to be killed. But that really didn't work out because those that were working with the children, those that, that were delivering the children, um, they didn't do that. They didn't do that because of their faithfulness to the Lord. So what he did is he comes back and he said, for every newborn baby boy, instead of them being killed at birth, what we're going to do is we're going to throw them into the Nile River. Now, I don't know if you remember the story about Moses, but what ended up happening is that Moses' mother, after he was born, she hit him. And then for, there came a point in time when it became really intense that she made a little basket out of reeds and papyrus and she put that and she made a pitch and she put it in the in the Nile River where Pharaoh's daughter would find it. Do you remember that story? Caleb and I were talking about that this morning as we were walking. God always knows. He always knows what's taking place. Nothing catches him by surprise. And so here he is. 
He's floating in, the, in that river. His mom has left him, but she's not left him. She's watching at a distance. And Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the waterside. She sees him, and she takes him back home. But in the meantime, his, uh, Moses' mother ends up going, and she would act as his, as his nurse, as his, as his mother-in-waiting, I guess you could say, and be taking off to the, to the, to the king's palace. So here you got Moses, who's an Israelite, going from where he was to being raised in the palace of a king. Throughout a series of events, Moses would eventually find himself because he fled out into the desert of Midian. And this is sort of where we want to pick this story up today in Exodus chapter 3. And we want to read that because what happens is there's a call of God that goes out to Moses. Here's Moses in the, in the middle of a comfortable lifestyle He's satisfied, everything's going well, and then God would speak to Moses and call him out to go back to a place that he had left out of fear. And in Exodus chapter 3, this is the story that we read today. It says this, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai. Now this is also, you might find in your Bibles, depending on the translation, the word Horb. Um, they can be used interchangeably, but it was the same place. It was the mountain of God. Verse 2, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Now, to see something burning there in that area was not that unusual, but the fact that something was burning and not being burned up, now that's pretty un unusual. It was significant. To the point, look at what it says in verse 3. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that, bur that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Let me see if I can do my good Moses voice. Moses. Is that good? <laughs> Moses. <laughs> Here I am, Moses replied. Now listen, it wouldn't have been, here I am, this is where it would say, there I was. If, if I were writing that, a bush speaking to me? I don't think so. <laughs> Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Now let me just sort of, let me sort of give you some thoughts here in reference to submission and humility and reverence as well as willingness. Hang with me for a little bit. Look at what's happening. Has there ever been that time in your Lord, in that, in that time in your life, where you've sensed that humility, that submission, that reverence, and willingness to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do? Have you ever sensed that? Verse 6. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware. Let me say this. There are those moments in time that we think that God isn't paying attention. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. Some of you have dealt with some issues this past week, and you've probably said to yourself, you know, Pastor Sid always talks about the fact that God is there, but I just don't sense him being here in the midst of what I'm walking through right now. He's there, and he's aware. 
regardless of what you think or what you feel. Verse 8, So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. And here's God calling Moses out of that which was safe, that which was comfortable, that which was easygoing. I mean, listen, he... Here's the transition. Now he's in the desert. He's begun to, everything sort of smoothed out from, from, from what he had left. He's married. Things are going well. And God's now calling him to do what? To go back. There's something in Romans chapter 11 that talks about an irrevocable call, about the calling of God being without repentance. See, there's a call of God that he puts on some of our lives. And in that call, it's something you can't ignore, Larry. It's not something you can run from. It's not something that you can say that doesn't exist. We can turn our heads and we can try to walk away from it. But that call still lays on our lives regardless if we realize it or we want to identify with it or not. It's something we can't get away from. And so now here's Moses. God has got a call. He's getting ready to do something. And Moses faces a decision about what is he going to do? How is he going to respond? And this is the question. Why in the world would Moses leave where he was, what he was involved in, and walk away from that which was comfortable and safe? Why would he do that? I mean, why in the world would he leave that And do what God asked him. There's a couple things I want you to write down that I think are really important. They do with the past, the present, and the future. The first thing that I think, one of the things that we need to talk about is safe keeps us trapped in the past. Write that down. Safe keeps us trapped in the past. Chained to the past. When we were working in Nicaragua one year, uh, Sean uh, and a team of guys, Sean William and a team of guys were working on a... um, on a goat pen and there was a really really bad dog that was a blind dog that that they had placed up under that within a tree length of that area and they sort of it was sort of like a protection dog and they had them stationed at different areas and you had to be really watching because you never knew when you would come upon one of those one of those mean dogs and they had them there for safety as well as protection keeping people in as well as keeping people on the out from coming in and so um, there was one of those blind dogs, or he was a blind dog, a very stinky dog that was really, really nasty, and they had him tied to a chain. Well, they had moved that dog when they started working on that, that goat pen to prepare that goat pen. But while they were going to lunch, one of the worker guys brought him back and tied him up up underneath, up underneath the, uh, the goat pen. So they finished a sandwich and were going back, and I heard all of this hollering that happened all of this I mean it was just really bad and I wasn't too far and I ran over to find Sean was on the ground I think he had run over a banana plant and when I was I said man I said bro what happened he says he was out of breath he was scared to death he was shaking he said man 
I didn't know what hit me. He said, I smelled him before I saw him, and it was the only thing I could do to try to get out of there. I don't know if Brian put a picture up there. This was a huge dog, but literally that, that dog missed him by about that far because the chain had held him to the, uh, to, the, to the place that we were working. Are you with me? It was bad, and that, that dog is just nasty, but he missed about that far. Thank the Lord that he was being held. But how many of us are being held to things of the past? How many of us, how many of us are trapped in the past by something that we've experienced, something that we've participated in, and that, that place is keeping us chained? And it's like a huge boulder, and we can only seem to get so far. You know what? You can't seem to escape it. And I can imagine Moses saying here, Lord, I, I really don't understand or know why you're, you're calling me to go out, but Lord... I don't want to go back because, see, the past, from the past that I know, I don't want to go back because when I left there, they were trying to kill me. And why in the world would I want to leave my place of safety and go back to a place that I'm going to be killed? I don't want to do it. See, the last time that I was there, it was tough and it was exhausting. And I hear what you're saying, but Lord, I'd a whole lot rather stay right here. How many of us also have bought into the lie that because of our past will never amount to anything? Anybody ever told you that? You know, because you've done this or because you've participated in this or because of your father or because of your father's father or because of your, you know, because of your, your lack of education that you'll never amount to any of it, to, to anything. And how many of us are chained to the past? Let me just say this right here to you guys. If there was anything that Jesus himself did is he died to set us free from those chains of the past. Safe, being trapped in the past. Here's Satan wanting to, to remind us about our past and hinder us of a future. But this is what the words of Isaiah says. It says, forget all about that. It, it, is, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I'm about to do something new. And I've already begun. Don't you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You don't have to be chained to the past. Safe keeps us trapped in the past. But if the enemy doesn't keep us trapped in the past, what else does he do? Number two, maybe he brings us to a place of satisfaction in today. Maybe it's not about the past. Maybe it's about today. Philippians 4, 11 says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. For I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was a full stomach or empty, whether in plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. See, contentment can be a good thing. God, I'm content in what you've given me. But there can also be a contentment that leads to complacency, a complacency that leads to being satisfied, a place of satisfaction that leads us to, into a place of being settled, and from settled to a place of being stagnant, which leads us to death. Are you with me? There's that place of being complacent. I'm complacent with what I'm experiencing right now, but there's also that complacency that leads us down towards a place we call death, where stagnant learning and growth ceases. So if the enemy can't keep us trapped in the past, one of the things that he wants us to do is to become satisfied with today and saying, I like it where I'm at. Here's Moses. I mean, he's in the palace. He's got it made. He's got all the benefits of being associated with Pharaoh. 
And day after day when Moses would go out to be with his people, he would probably see some of the oppression that was taking place. But this one day, this, this one day that he went out, all of a sudden, he said, no more, no more. Here's an Egyptian beating a fellow Jew. And I would have to say this probably wasn't the first time that he had seen it. But at that moment, there was a holy discontentment. No more. He killed the Egyptian and he was buried. He buried his body there in the sand. And after a series of events, word would get back to Pharaoh and he would go out to kill. And that was when Moses would flee. He would go to flee and he would spend 40 years being prepared in the desert. Being prepared. And maybe the enemy can't trap you in the past, and maybe he can't get you satisfied in the present, but you know what he can do? Get you afraid of tomorrow. <laughs> how, many of you have, how many of you watch the news, and every time you watch the news, there's some type of a fear that comes about? What about tomorrow? What are we going to do? What about the stock market? Or what about? There's so many fears that, we, that have the ability of controlling us if we allow them to do that. Afraid of tomorrows. What, the what-ifs. How many of you like to play what, the what-if game? Well, what if this happens? Well, you know, what if that happens? Well, you know, what if I can or what if they don't or what if it doesn't? Do you think that our God has a capacity to know exactly and to be in control? It's the places of uncertainty that we experience as we walk by faith that our dependency on God knows but how many times do we not want to be in that place of dependency? How many times do we not want to be in that place where there's uncertainty? See, if you're like me, I like to have all of my, my, my I's dotted and my T's crossed. I like to be able to know what's next. It's tough living by faith. So here's, here's Moses. He settles he marries Zipporah, and this is what the Bible records. And I'm going to go back and read some of those passages again, but I'm going to back up to Exodus chapter 2 now. It says, Later she gave birth to a son, talking in reference to Moses, and Moses named him Gershom, for he explained, I have been a foreigner in the foreign land, and years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites, Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his, promise, his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. I'll read that verse, chapter 3, one more time, that little piece there. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the Mount of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement through the bush, was engulfed in flames. It didn't burn up. The amazing, this is amazing, Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. You talk about unknowns and what ifs. This is a lot of what ifs and unknowns. Moses, burning bush, the Lord gets his attention and says, listen, man, I'm calling you out. To where, Lord? Does that really matter? See, what's Lord, the Lord calling you out of? And how many times do you want to know all the details of whether or not it'll work out or whether or not financially it's going to be beneficial to you? See, when we start a business plan, the business plan is always about what? Finances. See, when God calls you out, it's not always about finances. It's about obedience. I've got a plan for your life. I'm calling you out. And it's not about self, but it's about denial of 
self. Lord, listen, I know that you know what's going on back in Egypt. I know that, that, you're, I know that you're aware of the oppression of my people. I know that you hear their cries, but Lord, you're calling me to go back? Isn't there somebody else? <laughs> what am I going to tell them? Who am I going to tell them who sent me? You tell them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's who you tell them sent you. But Lord, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? Lord, what if they've forgotten? Lord, I can't speak. I stutter when I'm in public. Isn't there somebody else that you could send beside me? What about Larry Miller? I mean, he can, he can sell paint. I mean, Lord, can't you send Larry? No, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Verse chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please, 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 Lord, send. Send somebody else. Lord, send somebody else to, to my workplace to, to speak to, to, to my coworker because, God, I just don't know if I've got the right words to speak. God, what about to the, the man or the, or the boy on the, on the ball field? I, 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 I know that you're caught, but God, would you send, some, send a pastor? He's a whole lot better at telling people about Jesus than I am. Send them. Send somebody else. You ever said that? See, I've said that. <laughs> I've said, Lord, send, you know, Lindsay, I've said, Lord, you know, send, send somebody else beside me. But Jesus did the same thing. Three times, Lord, Lord, you know, if, if let this cup be taken, of suffering be taken from me. Three times he said that, but in the end, you know what Jesus said, Lord? <laughs> Not my will, but yours be done. See, there's a transition from Lord, you know, Lord, send me, I don't want to go. There are going to be those times that you question. But my prayer is that somewhere along the line we'd get to the place, okay, Lord, if that's what you want, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll go. Safe is the place that keeps us from stepping out where God wants us to be. It may be something of the past. It may be something of the present. It may be out of reference to the, for the fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. But safe keeps us from stepping out and living by faith. And Moses would be, he would say to us, abandon safe and live by faith. See, safe is the place that you buy that Groupon coupon that, that, that you want to go skydiving. See, you've probably been here and thought, I mean, I think I'd like to do that. That'd be really nice. And so you buy that Groupon coupon, and then you, you go down to the, to the airstrip, and you take your camera, and, you know, they start giving you all these instructions, and you strap on that, that uh, parachute, and, and you get your camera ready, and you fly up, and you know, all of a sudden you get up about 18,000, 20,000 feet. They open the door, and they say, look over, and you're taking some pictures. They say, okay, it's time to jump. No, I don't think so. Just take us back down. I'm all right. But you bought the, no, no, I'm just fine, I'm just fine. I just want to take a couple of pictures, that's all. But you're suited in. No, I'm, I'm just fine. Everything's, I'm safe. Hmm? God didn't create me to fly. If he did, he'd give me some wings. <laughs> safe is the place that said, I want, to, I want to make a difference in my work, but I'm afraid of what others may say. Safe is the place that says, I really want my finances to be different. I want to be part of financial peace, but I'm afraid that if I'm honest, Somebody might go, bro, what happened to you? 
Safe is the place that I, I want to go see Tom and Sandy, and I want, to, I want my marriage to be more than what it is, but safe is the place that said, man, if I go, somebody's going to think that we've got problems. Safe is the place that keeps us from stepping out and refusing um, to experience God in His greatness. Live, living safe keeps us from missing it. It keeps us from, from being a part and experiencing God's greatness because we're afraid of just the what-ifs. So we settle. We settle. Safe can keep us trapped in the past or satisfied with the day or afraid of the future. But Moses would say, I want you to abandon safe and I want you to live by faith. And here's Moses now beginning to run alongside of us. And in the midst of that, there are three things that I think that he would say as he whispers to us as we're on the race. And number one, listen, living by faith demonstrates that God is already at work in your life. Listen, when you begin to take those steps of faith and you're, you, don't, you can't always answer, or you don't know the, the answer to what ifs or what's next. Or Living by faith begins to demonstrate that God's at work because when you abandon safety and security, it's not natural. And if it's not natural, you know what it is? It's of the Spirit. Everybody else is going, what are you doing? I don't really know. I'm living by faith. Faith? There's no common sense involved in that. It was not common sense to resign from a position and leave all of your assets behind. Hello? That was an out-of-body experience for me that God said, listen, I want you to learn to trust me, not trust anybody else. That's crazy. Crazy. Abandon safety and security. It's not natural. God isn't surprised with our success nor our difficulties. He's not surprised with our circumstances that we might be facing. But the Bible says that God's at work in all things. All things. Hebrews eleven twenty three. it was by faith, faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw God had given them an unusual child. All of us think we have unusual children, don't we? But here's his parents going, there's something different about this child but they knew God was up to something what must have been the feeling of his mother what mother in their right mind would release their son and put him in water to float down the river I don't think so you think God was at work in her life He goes on to say that they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. If we're going to live by faith, we need to constantly be reminded in everything that God's at work. And at the end of the day, that God is great and he is in control. And I don't have to manipulate the circumstances. I don't have to manipulate the plans that God is great and I can live by faith because I know my God. How many times are we afraid to take that next step because we're afraid of what God may, if God's going to be with us or he's going to be walking alongside of us? Number two, to live by faith, we have to refuse to be defined by anything else but God. Let me read this passage to you in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to, 
than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to a great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It's easy to be defined by our past or be defined by what we think others or think about us or believe the lies of wearing a label that may keep us discouraged and, and in a place of, of, of defeat. But living, living by, by God's label and refusing to, to accept anything else, that is, that is that's faith. Anything that Satan might, might throw my way, that I'm going I'm to push that off because I'm going to remind myself that I'm a child of the king, that I'm a follower of Jesus. And as a child of the king, that I'm part of his family and that there is an inheritance that's mine. Paul said it this way, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance for God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan, not our plan, but his plan. His plan. See, the world wants to define us, and it wants to remove from us our inheritance. Listen to this. Here's Jesus, and then what did they tell him? You're just a carpenter's son. Moses, oh, you're the son of Pharaoh's daughter. For Noah, it was all about the boat and the water. And Man, are you ridiculous? I mean, this is, this is, you're delirious. Rebecca, why in the world do you have to go the second mile and feed the camels? What are the camels? Don't you know that the first mile was enough? David, defeat a giant? You're kidding me. You're just a little kid. Abraham and Sarah, you're too old. The prostitute called in adultery, they led her to believe that she wasn't worthy, worthy of forgiveness. No, no. The only thing I'm trying to say is here, whose voice are you listening to and what are you believing? You know, Ricky, what are you believing? Or Tom, what are you believing? Or Melvin, what are you believing? Or Alex, or any of us in this room, what label are, 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 have, has been placed on us and what voice are we listening to? I mean, how many of us have brought into the lie that the harder we work, the more money that we make, the more successful you are and God is pleased. Value and worth in reference to work. That if I perform, I'm accepted. You know what that does? Can I tell you? Performance, performance-oriented people, there's no rest. Anybody lack rest? Yeah, there's no rest. And not only is there no rest, there's a tremendous amount of emptiness because regardless of how much you work, you can't fill that void can't fill it so what what lie are you listening to today refuse to be defined by anything else Moses would say don't you dare listen to those people around you you listen to God and let him let him tell you how valued and how worthy you are because of what his son Jesus did on the cross the third thing that he would say is we live by faith our life impacts those around us Hebrews eleven twenty eight. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as, they, uh, as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Moses would say, listen, right now, the call of God living by faith on your life, your ability to be able to choose 
impacts the lives of those people around you, not only for this generation, but for the generations to come. Moses would say as he whispers in our ear, you want me to tell you how I know that? Because I experienced it. See, I had to go back and I had to follow and I remember how different, difficult it was going back and, and let my people go and all that kind of stuff that happened. You may remember that story, people, but I just want to tell you, I didn't realize that my obedience over here when God called me in that burning bush, I didn't realize that at that time my saying yes would impact the lives of so many people. I didn't have a clue. I thought it was all about me. But as he whispers, as he walks around the track with us, he would say, listen to God's call. Listen to God's call. Listen to God's call. Because your life, the call of God that is irrevocable, the thing that you can't get away from, as you listen to God's call, if you'll obey it, it will have a tremendous impact in the lives of multitudes of people around you. Moses would say, listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Moses leading the people out, the people of Egypt, and not only would they grow and learn to understand about God's greatness and provision and his protection, but they would also see Moses in his life, and it would impact the lives of those people. Moses would say, living, living for God, having an impact, it means to abandon, save, and live by faith. And taking those steps when you don't always understand what's next. When you don't have it all figured out. If we could see what was next, it wouldn't be faith, would it? Let me ask you this question. What's God calling you to? What's God trying to tell you? What steps is he asking of you today? Because, see, it's a whole lot easier to remain safe, trapped in the past, or satisfied with the day, or worried about tomorrow, than it is to say, I'll abandon safe and live by faith. Would you pray with me today? with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. I don't know what it may be that God may have been working in your heart before today, but the only thing that I can say is if there's something that's been going on, this message has been specifically for you. It's not about your spouse, or not about your friends, or not about anything else. It's about what God's calling you. Are you willing to abandon and say that which is safe and to follow God by faith? See, most of us want to bring clarity. God, give me a clarity of the vision of the whole thing. We don't always have the clarity of the vision of the whole thing. But may this morning, if you're in that position, may you, maybe you just need to say, God, would you just give me the first step? What's the first step? Don't clarify the whole thing, but God, just clarify what my next step is today and give me confidence to take that step. Whatever that may be. It might be a place of service. It might be a place of ministry. I don't know what it may be. It might be in reference to, to talking to somebody at work or on the ball fields, or it, it might be serving in an area that you're just so uncomfortable because you're afraid of, of 
you're just afraid. Maybe I won't succeed. Maybe I won't do a good job. Maybe somebody will ask me a question of something I don't understand. But today, Lord, just help me to clarify that next step, that one next step that you want me to take. Just talk to the Lord today. Because this is what I know. You're not going to be able to run from it. You might not be able to be able to completely clarify it. But it's something you won't be able to get away from because God's calling you out from the midst of that burning bush and saying, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. The greatest step of faith of all is when we come to the place to realize that we're not God and we need Jesus because of our sinfulness. See, that's really the biggest step of all. That's the first step in our relationship towards God is when we come to realize that we're sinful and that our sin separates us from a holy God. But because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, the Bible said that God demonstrated his love. He showed his love. He showed off that while we were still in sin, Christ Jesus died for us on the cross. That's what the scripture has to say. And that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, the greatest act of faith is when we turn away from that which we know and is safe and we say, we realize our sin and we say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Maybe there's people here today that would say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't understand it, but even today, I want to make my stand for you. I'd like to be able to pray for you today. If that's you, where you are, would you just raise your hand so I have an opportunity to pray for you? I want to abandon, I want to abandon safe today, and I want to live by faith. Anymore. Somebody that would say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I see others. I want to pray with those of you that have raised your hands. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the heart of obedience and humility that we come before a holy God and say, God, I need you. I want to ask if a couple of our overseers would come and stand this morning at the front. Um, Jack and Tom and uh, Mr. Jim, if you guys would come and stand. Sheila, if you're here this with us right now, if you come stand up front. I'm going to change up the ending. Um, but if you're here today and you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity in this time of quietness. Um, after we pray to come and be able to talk with one of these leaders that are standing here and say today I want to give my heart to Jesus if you're here and you want to trust him today this is maybe something you might pray in the sincerity of your heart dear Lord I've blown it I sure made a mess of things I don't really understand it all, but this is what I believe, that the scripture is true. That I'm a sinner, that my sin separates me from God, but a holy God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin so that I might be saved. I want to believe, I want to trust you, 
And I want to place my faith in you today. Hear me, Jesus. Hear me. I want to live for you and I want to be part of your family. In Jesus' name. Um, in just a second, I'm going to ask for those of you that have prayed that, if you want to come and make that decision public to one of these leaders that are standing here. And the only thing you have to say to them is, today I made that decision to trust Christ. I made that decision. I want to follow him. There may be some of you here that there's a specific call on your life and you've, you've run from that. You've just said, Lord, can't you send somebody else? Maybe there's somebody you've been praying for. It could be something at work. Maybe it's a change in job. Maybe it's a stepping out in faith. I don't know what it may be. And even this morning, you're saying to yourself, I need to abandon safe and live by faith. Just as a sign of that's where you are. Maybe you even have somebody you want to pray for. These men and women are here standing before us just to, just to be your encouragers. Even this morning, would you be willing just to come and stand and say, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? This is what I'm walking through right now. This is what I hear God saying. So just in a time of quietness and invitation, a time of response, right where you are, if that's you, we'll give you an opportunity to come and to speak to one of these that are standing before us in the quietness of this moment. To abandon safe and live by faith. Anybody? Lord's been speaking to me about this one area, this one subject. I've not been faithful, but Lord, I want to obey you. Maybe you're here and you're one of the ones that raised your hand saying, I want to trust Jesus. I want to follow him. Anybody? How sweet is the quietness of the moment. This is what I hear you saying, Lord, and I want to be obedient. Lord, there's an awful lot of contemplating going on in this room today. A lot of questions that are being answered, asked. May we be, be willing, Father, to not be trapped in the past or satisfied with the day or be afraid of what you hold tomorrow. 
may we be a people just as you encouraged us to abandon that which is safe and that which is, has the ability to bring complacency. May we be faithful to live by faith. Now this is what I'm praying, that as we leave and as we walk out these doors today, may our week that we are about to embark on not be as a normal week. I pray that you'll fill it with opportunities of us being able to live out the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in multiple ways. What I'm praying is that, Lord, that our hearts will be pricked with opportunities that, that lie before us of, of how we treat, how we encourage, and how we love one another. I'm praying for my brothers and sisters and other bodies of believers right now that are part of the overall uh, body of Christ and we grieve because of the hurt and pain some of them are experiencing right now. Father, I pray that we would be your peacemakers, that we would embrace and we would spend less time talking about them and more time talking to you about them and praying for them. Use us as an instrument of your grace to help reconcile. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given us as a church, and Father, may we be responsible with the gifts and talents that you've given us this is your week we're moving towards easter in the celebration of a risen savior which we will talk about and remind ourselves of the miracles of a holy god that you're still at work today may we look this week with anticipation to see where you're at work and go join you in those places father i'm praying for our influence that you would enlarge our territories that you would give us multiple avenues to be able to share this next week remind us as families that our first line of ministry begins at home in training our children up in the way they should go bless us now remind us that we're your ambassadors in jesus name i pray amen